Hey, what's up and welcome to the podcast, Unapologetic Leadership. This podcast focuses on our reflection of the work that we do as school leaders, challenging ourselves to grow within our experiences, utilizing it as personal development, professional development, whatever you want to call it. This is a super chill, laid back conversation that I have with school leaders uh, that are ingrained in the work of educating our young people. You see, being unapologetic is a mindset. It's not something that we need to look negatively upon. But if we are focused on making decisions that are best for our schools, that are best for our school communities, and most importantly for our kids, we shouldn't have to apologize for the decisions in which we make. So I hope you uh, dive deep into this podcast and are able to walk away with lessons and experiences from other educational leaders to just help you do better, be better, and be great. I hope you enjoy Unapologetic Leadership. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Hey, what's up, listeners of Unapologetic Leadership? Welcome back for another episode. For all of you all who have been rocking with me, uh, I appreciate you all so much. I appreciate the listenership but I also appreciate your ability to want to grow. Um, a lot of the, the, the guests that I have on uh, are typically ones that don't just push the envelope of education um, to change the status quo, but some people who really give you the ability to think. Uh, this has been a learning tool and experience for me. I don't just get to host, but I really spend my time learning uh, from the guests that I have on uh, and in turn, being able to just share that wealth of knowledge with those who are listening. So today, this man needs no introduction. He has traveled all over the globe, man, just really just spitting the truth about education. Uh, he serves currently as a superintendent on Fall Creek, Wisconsin. Hashtag go crickets. Yes, it is my man, Joe Sanfilippo. <laughs> Joe, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity, man. You got it right, man. Fall Creek, Wisconsin, home of the crickets. Le- loving, leading. In Fall Creek, it's been a wonderful experience and incredible people, just like unbelievable group of people that uh, when they have they have the best interests of kids in mind. But it's it's fun to watch them um, take care of each other when not a lot of people are taking care of us. And that's that's been phenomenal to see. So thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation, my man. Yeah, man. Uh, it. We were actually having a little pregame before uh, we hit the record button on this thing. We were talking about uh, the the path that I I mm-hmm. crossed Joe back in Dunlap uh, back in twenty it was twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen mm-hmm. one of those years that I was down there. But uh, man, your presence was awesome, uh, and you told the story of what happens in Fall Creek, Wisconsin, a little place on mm-hmm. the map that has such a big place in a lot of people's hearts, man, because of the work that you have done, man. So tell me, tell us a little bit about you and, and who you are, especially for, um, you know, people who listen to this. I have some people who are just now coming into education, but then I also people have people who are on their way out or are out and are looking to just give back and keep connected. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. And um, yeah, let's start there. 
right. So I can't believe it's been that long since I was in Dunlap. And, you know, it's funny because some of the stories that I tell now are the same stories that I told at Dunlap. And I think that the reason is that I know that I can prove them. Like, I, I think we got to get into it. When we get into these spaces, we got to make sure that anything that we're talking about, we can prove, we can say this works. And I know that it works. It's not some philosophical, you know, way over everybody's head, show a slide and then get out the way. It's, it's really about how can we take actionable steps towards getting uh, the groups that we're, that we're helping to serve get better. And, um, and I have been, I have been beyond lucky to, to do what I have done for so long with, uh, in, in Fall Creek. And I think by saying what I have done, I mean, be the superintendent in Fall Creek, because when it comes down to the work that's being done, it's not, it's never been an I thing. I think the, it kind of, I've been in Fall Creek for, 13 years now and 12 of those have been as a superintendent and um, it has been um, nothing short of spectacular to be able to work with a group of people that just want to get better and and just do right by kids and everything. But to kind of go back to it, I think when I started it, 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 um, it was, it was really interesting because when I was sitting in my interview for the superintendency, I was, there were, I, I asked the board, I said, you know, how am I going to know if I'm, successful like what are the metrics that we're going to use to make sure that i'm successful and and what can i do to make sure that 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 i know if we're doing a good job or whatever the case may be and no ever i kind of looked around for a little bit but then one board member uh just started talking and she said that you know there are a lot of really great things happening in fall creek wisconsin but nobody knows about them and i said to her and i said to everybody that was there the committee and the board and everybody that was in the room i said i might not be the best superintendent you'll hire but I'm the loudest person on earth. So if there are great things going on here, I can promise you that people across the world are going to know how great you are. And I keep coming back to that because that's really, I mean, in terms of moving people forward, you have to have a group of people who are willing, but more, more importantly for me was to make sure that they knew how great they were at their job because they were great before I got there. They're going to be great after I leave. And I think if, if my piece of this pie was to just shine the light on the work that they do and make sure that everywhere they walk, every place they go, people smile or people come up and approach them and tell them that they heard a story about them or tell them that they 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 know about the go cricket stuff or where can I get a t-shirt or all that stuff. Like that's the kind of mentality that I want for these people. They they deserve that. They deserve to walk around and have people recognize them just because they're wearing a shirt from Fall Creek, Wisconsin. Yeah, and that's I, that is that was a key piece in in and what we do as school leaders, man. We we become authentic storytellers uh, mm-hmm. of the work that we do, and that's one thing that you have done great. Um, even ten almost ten years ago, right? Yeah, like, yeah, is, yeah. I know it's been crazy, um, man. So tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about how you were able to continue and lead this work and keep your staff going as we hit the pandemic and going through yeah. like, what is, what is Fall Creek now? What is, what is it like now, uh, you know, going through a pandemic and and coming out on the other side of it? I think one of the things that we talked to them about early was it's, you know, whatever you do when, when the pandemic started, like whatever you did, it, you couldn't, you couldn't be wrong because nobody had ever done it before. So the, I said, the only real concern that you should have is that when we get out of it, if things are exactly the same as they were before we left or before we got into it, then we got a problem, right? Because that means we've learned nothing. 
And I think one of the things that's been really interesting about the journey was when we got into the pandemic, we had already done a lot of um, a, a lot of online stuff. Our, our kids were already one to one. We had, you know, our, our teachers were doing a lot of stuff online. We did a lot of flip classroom stuff. And so when the like the logistics of the pandemic didn't hit us as hard as it would have hit other places because we were already doing a lot of the logistical stuff. What really hit our group hard was the lack of connection to the kids that they serve because they didn't get those smiles every day. They didn't get those, you know, uh, great quotes, great comments, great conversations every day. And we had to kind of manufacture those along the way. And I think what the one thing that it's done coming out of it is I think it gave us a better appreciation for what it meant to really be, you know, with kids and be in the space with kids and make sure that they know that they belong in those spaces and make sure that they know that they have a voice. But at the same time, we get joy out of that, too. And recognizing the fact that we do get joy out of being with kids on a daily basis, one to one conversations that you can't get when you're in an online environment. You can you can try to manufacture it, but you're not going to get it's not going to be the same. And so when we kind of brought it back to you know, what did you, you know, what did you miss the most about being away from kids and what are you what are you thankful for the most when you when now that you're back, you can really start to have some real conversations about how to move people forward and how to make sure that they, they, we find joy in the work that they do too, because I think that gets lost a lot in the mix. You know, we're trying to make sure that kids find joy. We're trying to make sure that kids have a good experience. We're trying to make sure that kids have the opportunity, which is all great and exactly why we should be there. But it's really hard to take care of kids when we're not taking care of the adults who are taking care of the kids. And if you find a way to create some joy, you have to create joy for them too. And there are times throughout the course of the year, even now, like it's tough now. It's tough. I mean, it's like we're going to be everybody was jacked up about the, the holiday season and everybody's really excited. And then everybody and then everybody took off. When they come back in January, the first couple of weeks in January, I mean, there's this lull that happens because you, you've you gotten, you know, everybody was it's almost like working up towards this peak of excitement. And now you come back and it's dark when you get there. It's dark when you go home and it's cold. And it's like, you know, we got to figure out how can we find some joy for people in those spaces, too. So I think that's going to be the goal. But uh, I think when we came back from the pandemic, the one thing that we realized was how much we needed to find joy in the kids, in the work, in the, you know, and that kind of thing. So that's kind of what so, we came out of it. So how do you, how do you um, create spaces? I know being, being a, um, being a superintendent, right? Like you get a different perspective, you get a global perspective of your entire district, but just thinking of school leaders and even uh, in whatever capacity you start, how do you create those spaces to allow for that voice for teachers and uh, building leaders as well as students to know mm -hmm. like the joy that you're intentionally trying to create is the right stuff for them. It's the right stuff for, you know, your district. How do you, how do you find to create those spaces? I think the one thing that we've done, I think better than anybody that I've ever, that I've been around and I get a chance to go to a lot of schools. And when I go to a lot of schools, I think the one thing that sets our school apart, well, first of all, I think what really needs to be understood is it, it is not one person's job to do this. And I think a lot of times what ends up happening is if, if, if my staff feels like it's my job as a superintendent to go around and make sure that everybody finds joy. They're going to be waiting a long time because I can't be everywhere all the time. And 
even with the principles, they can't be there all the time. It's it's much more important to make sure that you can find it in your colleagues because those are the people that you see every day. So of all the things that I think that we've done where we find those opportunities, we our group <laughs> our group does an incredible job of this model of recognize, acknowledge, and extend. One thing that we've been pushing really hard in that how do we recognize the greatness of our colleagues, acknowledge the greatness of our colleagues, and extend the greatness of our colleagues. And a lot of times what ends up happening is people recognize, you put yourself in the right mindset to recognize greatness, right? Like making sure you're in the right mindset to see the great things that are happening, that your head isn't down and you're walking from one place to the other because of the list that you got to get done, right? So you put yourself in the right mindset to recognize it. And then you acknowledge to the person that's doing great work that they're doing great work. So now we've recognized and acknowledged it. And a lot of people do that, but then they end it right there. But when you do the third thing, when you extend the conversation to somebody who wasn't there, when you extend a conversation to somebody who has no business knowing about the great things that are happening in that particular space, what inevitably happens is the person that you extend the conversation to will find the person doing great things and, and acknowledge them for doing great things. And the reason that they do that is because at some point somebody did it for them. And it felt good. So if you create this mentality, like I, I was talking to a group last week and I was telling them that I was in the middle school hallway. Now there's, we have one hallway. It's the middle school is one hallway, right? And I'm sitting there in the middle school hallway with these kids walking back and forth and teachers, I'm talking to a couple of teachers and then, uh, and, and the kids are walking past. And then I'm talking to a couple more teachers. And it was amazing because as I sat there and I listened to these teachers talk about great stuff going on with their kids, they didn't stop it there. They also told me great things going on with their colleagues. And so when they tell me the greatness of their colleagues or connect with the, you know, the great things that their colleagues are doing, well, they know what I'm going to do. They know I'm going to go find the person that they're talking to and make sure that that person knows that they're being talked about, right? And then it creates this momentum with all these great things happening. And, you know, there are times throughout the, uh, the year where it, it happens a lot in one building and a little in another building, and then a lot in the, in the building that did it a little, and then a little in the building where it happened a lot. It just goes on this ebb and flows. So if you can, if you can keep people going in the right direction by always figuring out a way to extend the conversation to somebody who wasn't there. Because that's what creates the momentum. And it's great to acknowledge somebody for doing great work in the moment, but that's two people, man. That's it. What if you extend a conversation to somebody, not even, a, let's, say, let's say you extend a conversation to a colleague who didn't see it. Awesome. What, do you, what if you extend a conversation to the spouse of the person that's doing great work? Awesome. What if you go find the kid of the teacher who's doing great work and you go just to have a quick conversation with the kid about the great work that his mom is doing? Like now all of these are, that's three opportunities, three in, a, in, in all of these in like 30 second increments, that's three opportunities that potentially people could feel better about their work because they're going to run into a conversation where they know that they're being talked about. And I think we always do more than is expected if we feel valued in the work that we are currently doing. So how can we help people create and be in a spot where they feel value for all that work? That is, man, that's, that's some key takeaway right there. Like that's um, I, I the challenge, the challenge I've always had with trying to highlight even some of the work, uh, even for myself as as a school leader, is that everybody's humble, right? They eat a piece of humble pie. They like I don't want to talk about myself. Like I want to share stuff out. I'm very big in digital uh, media when it comes to our building, and there's people who are like they're doing great work, but they are like I'm. I want to stay in the background. Don't necessarily need anybody. How do you create the environment to allow for that to 
come to the forefront where people know that it is okay. And it's a part of our story, right? Like we want people to know the great things that are going on. It's not saying from teacher to teacher, like, oh, the teacher down the hallway is always doing so much because they're always in the school newsletter or always on the news Mm -hmm. or this and that. How do you not create that, that, uh, that feeling of, I don't want to be doing too much, um, you know, for the recognition. Well, I think our whole, I, I, I guess there's a, that's a tough question because, you know, I want to, I want people to brag on themselves, but at the same time, I know they they don't want to, but if you don't want to brag on yourself for the work that you're doing, that's great. That does not stop you from bragging on one of your colleagues. So if you're not willing to say it for yourself, because you don't, you feel like you're just, you feel like you're only, and that's a bad feeling. And I don't want you to feel that way. But at the same time, that doesn't stop you from telling me the, a great thing that happened with your colleague. So if you choose not to do that, now you're making an active choice, right? And and that's a and that's where we that's where a lot of people have problems is that they they're making an active choice to not tell great things, and then they come back to the the, the comment that you just made. Well, this is just what I do. This is just what I do. Well, guess what? It's not just what the person next door does. Like you can tell a great story about them. You see them every day. So tell somebody how great they are, because guess what's going to happen? Then they're going to do the same thing for you. And and then you can get some momentum. I mean, this is all about momentum. It's about finding momentum. It's about, you know, really leveraging opportunity for some of the great things that happen. And when something great happens, really getting out in front of it and, and just, just pummeling it. And, and it doesn't even need to be a social media thing. It can be a, you know, it's, So I got a call, I got a call from um, a parent last year and her her daughter was, was struggling with something. And she just told me that she had, uh, she just wanted to tell me how great one of our teachers was because the teacher helped this girl through a, uh, a, a certain situation. Right. And so it just so happens that, you know, of course I, I had the, the, the phone number of the teacher's husband. So of course I'm texting the teacher's husband to talk about that conversation. I also know that the teacher has a, had a junior son in school. So of course I'm walking down to the junior son's room and I'm going to pull him out of class and tell, tell him a great story about his teacher. And it takes 30 seconds. And he probably went home that night and, t- and said to his mom, Hey, San Filippo pulled me out of class today. Please don't, don't tell him not to do that anymore. Right. And that's fine. Okay, fine. But at least they're talking about it. Right. And at least he, she knows it's not just about that. I could have kept that. I could have sent her a note and just said, Hey, just want to let you know you're being talked about. That's great. That's awesome. And I did that, of course. But the other two opportunities, they still they still talk about it, right? I've seen her husband three times at events, and he still talks about it. Just getting a random text message from a guy. Like, you know, we we spend a lot of time in this, uh, uh, in the, the book, The Power of Moments, does a great job of talking about why people remember certain things and why they don't remember other things. And one of the things that's really big in terms of uh, what Chip and Dan Heath said in The Power of Moments was people remember events that boost sensory Break and break the script, right? So, what are you doing to boost sensory and break the script? And everybody, you know, if you show up at school every day and you know that your script is going to go one way, and the leader in that building is responsible for breaking the script, that's a day you're going to remember more than a day that you would have just normally had because you knew what the script was going to look like. So, I don't know. I think that those are those are some things that we really try to keep. At the, at the forefront of what we do is you don't have to 
brag on yourself. Let colleagues do that for you. But if you're a colleague and you're waiting for somebody to brag on you, think about how many times you've bragged on somebody else. Mm -hmm. So if you don't feel like you're getting enough love on one side of it, you think about what are you putting out into the universe, right? What are you putting out there to make sure that other people hear it? Because that stuff comes back, that stuff comes back to you. And I I wholeheartedly believe that. And so you talk about um and the I had to look up the power moment. I, the book sounds so familiar and now the cover like came back to me. Um you talk about you know the the, the scripts that exist that are just social norms. Um mm -hmm. there there are there's a mold that people think um, school leaders should fit in. There are certain uh, ways that they that anyone should believe a school leader should behave or what have you. But in order to in order to emerge to be a great leader, you got to do some things that are different, uh, some things that are not overly popular. Um, you know, and the title of this podcast is Unapologetic Leadership because it's it's from the belief that if we are doing and making decisions in the best interest of kids, we shouldn't apologize for the things that <laughs> that go a, a different way that are uh, the road less traveled. We shouldn't apologize mm -hmm. for being on that road because we are making decisions with the best interest of kids in mind. What would, what would you say are some of those unapologetic moments that you have had in your leadership that have helped you get Fall Creek to where it is and be able to maintain at the high capacity in which it is right now? Well, I don't think there's anything that I've done that has has brought about that that much change because I just, you know, like I said, I just want to be as loud as as possible when it comes down to this work in terms of the work that they're doing. I think the things that we've done collectively as a group that have helped that broke the script the most were probably when we started, the biggest one is probably when we started our passion projects about eight years ago. So essentially what those do is we, we allow our staff members to pick any passion project that they want throughout the course of the year. So they, they have a, they pick a project that they feel really strongly about. It could be a documentary. It could be creating a business with kids. It could be, I'm trying to mindfulness. It could be, um, a connection to the to the community. It could be creating lessons uh, for other grade levels that that uh, we had a high school ecology teacher uh, have his kids create six science lessons and then go down and 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 teach the four year old kindergarten class those six science lessons. So I'm like just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of some of the stuff that happened. And so that was about eight years ago. And so what we were trying to get out was I was just so sick of reading reflections at the end of the year that were scripted because I set it up this way. I set it up where you got done with the year, you wrote me a reflection. I and the reflection was seemingly always always started and ended the same way with like, you know, I, I grew as a teacher because 17% of my kids scored higher on this measure than at the beginning of the year, than at the, or at the end of the year, than they did the beginning of the year. And I'm like, you're not passionate about that. That's, but that's <laughs> you're, like at this, and it's my fault because I set yeah. it up that way. So I, so instead we, you know, we have these passion projects. And so the, you, the adults in the building get to own their learning and really invest in their learning. And it does not matter if it doesn't work. I don't care. I don't care if it doesn't work. I care that you reflect on why or why it, why it did or why it didn't and get better at the end of, you know, going into the next year. And so what ended up happening with that, we did two things that were really cool with it. So instead of getting that reflection to me at the end of the year, we do a street fair 
And so all of our teachers get in the gym and then they do just like a science fair, essentially, where you, you put your display of learning out on a table and then, and then everybody goes around and you explain your learning to your colleagues. And it, well, here's the interesting, the interesting thing is you can write anything to me that you want that I'm going to read on a Sunday in May. If you want to lie about it, I'm not checking you on that because what am I going to do? Tell you that I, that, that didn't happen, but you can't do that for your colleagues. If you're going to go put something out there for your colleagues and they're going to be like, mm, I don't know if you did that, right? Then there's going to be a problem. So it created this really authentic conversation, which was awesome. And um, and so, and then we live streamed it actually. And so we when we live streamed, I think we had like 21,000 people watch the live stream of our teachers teaching other teachers. So that changes the conversation when your teachers are getting questions from California and Arizona and New York and Texas and whatever, just on what they're doing, because it makes it more real, right? So that was the first thing that happened. And then so what ended up happening with that in terms of breaking the script was not only did our adults get a chance to own their learning, but now it transferred into student ownership of learning. It, it wasn't that our teachers didn't want to allow kids to own their learning. They just didn't know what it looked like. So when they, and it, it seemed so overbearing, it seemed so overwhelming to let kids own their learning because they had never seen it. And then when they saw it and when they did it, they're like, well, we can do this. This is nothing like this is great. I love it. So we do that on a regular basis. So I, I think, and that's been, we, and we, we do a survey at the end of every year and we just ask them one question. Does the passion project process make you a better teacher? Or do you believe the passion project process makes you a better teacher? And it, in all of those years that we've done it, it's never gone below 94% yes, never. So you think about that. If your PD process is yielding a 94% satisfaction rate, like you're doing something okay, right? So, and the, the way that that has transferred into student ownership of learning has been really fun to see. And now we've got like our middle school, they started a program this year. I thought it's, oh, it's called Launch. And where our, our kids just get to like invest in anything that they want to invest in during a certain part of the day. And we got kids making stuff and like building stuff and taking engines apart. And I mean, just stuff that they want to do. And you want to talk about how, you know, just the, the trans, not only transfer knowledge, but the behaviors change too, right? Because now they're really invested in something that they want to do. And it gives our teachers more opportunity as well. So I, I think that of all the things that we've done collectively, again, they were great before I got there. They're going to be great after I leave. And I think me just help, hoping to shine some light on some of this work that they're doing is really important. And that process was actually built by six teachers. That was, I had nothing wow. to do with it. I just I sat there and I, I asked if we could get something better. I just said, I need something better. Can, can we build something better? And they built the whole thing. They built it from scratch. They built everything. They built the the process, they built the um, the forms, they built the conversation, the timeline, they built all of it. It was amazing. And now those people, those six, there's six of them, but a couple of them in particular, now they're going out all over the place to talk about some of the work that they're doing, which is really cool. So uh, I've, I've loved to watch that journey as well. Yeah, man. So how, like, <laughs> I guess the biggest question that anybody would have based off of this is how do you create the time for, and you talk about students and student ownership, right? Like time is a constraint that people can use as either a positive or a negative. Some people look at time as like, oh, we got all of this time. And some people use it as a limiting factor. Of, well, we can't do all of this because we don't have that much time. How do, how do you, 
how did you create that sense of of intentional time to to work on this right. from the students' perspective as well as staff? Well, I think we started it with the staff because we wanted to make sure that they had that opportunity. So we, when we started it, we gave them uh, three days, three goal days throughout the course of the year, one to develop their goal. And then two throughout the course of the year where it was just the, there was no, nothing on the agenda. It was a goal day. And the only way to do goal days wrong was to grade papers and organize your classroom. And I sent that email out before we do it. I'll say, you know, remember the only day, the only way to do Goal days wrong is to grade papers and organize your classroom because you're not getting better doing either of those things. You'll get something done, but you're not going to get any better. So give yourself an opportunity to get better. Now, are there people on those days that grade papers and organize classrooms? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we don't make decisions on those people. If they're not going to get better, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hurt the other group because a couple of people don't want to get better. That's not that I can't like, I can't do anything about that. That's, that's for them. I'm not going to ruin the whole thing because a couple of people want to grade papers and organize classrooms. But what ends up happening is when they send out emails about grading or about organizing or about scheduling, then I don't have to say anything because somebody will inevitably walk next door to their room and say, Hey man, <laughs> I know you don't like it, but if you screw this up for the rest of us, people are going to be mad. <laughs> so, so schedule the email to go out tomorrow. Okay. I mean, like, you know, so they kind of take care of each other on that regard. So we give people time to do that. And we kind of come back to the idea that if I'm going to, if I'm going to ask someone to do, I shouldn't say it like that because I've done this wrong multiple times. My hope is when I ask people to do things in new, any new initiative, any new, you know, whatever it is, we always try to come back to time, resource, and opportunity. If we're going to expect them to do it, are we giving them time to do it, giving them the resources to do it, and giving them the opportunity to connect with each other to do it? And the best initiatives have time, resource, and opportunity built in. And the worst initiatives that I've pushed forward, that's the that was the determining factor, not giving them time, resource, or opportunity. So, um, and everybody wants time, resource, opportunity a little bit differently. Like some, some people want time in a half day model. Some people want time in a full day model. Some people want time, um, you know, uh, at night. Some people, because they don't want to plan for the sub during the day. Some people want it during the day, you know, that kind of thing. So trying to find the balance for that has been, I think, the most difficult. I can tell if the initiative went well, more often than not, it happened because time, resource, and opportunity was built into the into the model. And if it didn't, then I screwed up and I didn't put enough of any of those things into the model. So, um, which is why it's important to have as many people as you can in the conversation. And um, so you don't feel like you're out on an island trying to develop it on your own. Yeah. So to to give um to give listeners just a perspective, can you can you talk a little bit about your journey? We talked a lot about Fall Creek and just kind of some of the mm -hmm. things that that are happening there. Can you give the listeners just some perspective of size and demographics of oh, yeah. Fall Creek. Yeah, so Fall Creek is a small school. It's a really small school. It's a K K twelve school district in Northwest Wisconsin. There's thirteen hundred people in the village of Fall Creek. There are eight hundred and fifty kids in the school district of Fall Creek, four K through twelfth grade. And so the the building. I mean, we have there. We're limited in offerings because of the amount of people we have, but we're not limited in the amount of opportunities because we can do things in our building that a lot of people can't because we're all under one roof. So I think it's just a, you know, we are, we're a rural uh, town outside of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Um, and one of the things that's been really cool to see is over the course of the, of the last eight years, 
the amount of Wisconsin is an open enrollment state. So you can essentially go to any school district you want as long as you can get there. And the amount of open enrollment kids coming into the district has has just skyrocketed over the course of the last eight years. And I, and I truly believe that a lot of the, the reason that that, ha that that happens is we just have really great people, but people know what we're doing. And so when they know what you're doing, it makes it easier to make that commitment to come out because they know what you do. They see us on social media or they, they, they you know, heard about it from a friend or whatever. We just try to create these narratives that give us a better opportunity to bring people into the organization. And when I say it's skyrocketed, I mean, in 2014, we gapped like 20 kids. So 20 kids, more, 20 more kids coming into the district than going out. So plus 20 in that, in that year, last year, we gapped 135. So we're talking about like, and remember we got 850 kids in a district. So when one in eight kids in the district doesn't reside in the district, then you know that you're doing something right for people to want to come out and drive their kids out to that district. I, I would hope that they would move out at some point. And we're actually on the other side of that now where we're going to have to start capping, you know, at certain grade levels um, for kids to come in. And that's, that's too bad, but that's just what it is right now. So if there was, there's not a lot of places to live in Fall Creek right now. And so, you know, hopefully that, that increase is moving forward, but we just got, we got great people and they're just like, we're not out here splitting the atom, man. I mean, we're just good. We do, we do great. Our, our people do great things. They make great connections with kids. And so if we can continue to do that, then that's where the opportunity comes in. It's just an op is it's just an a, an opportunity for kids to do their best work, for families to feel valued, and for teachers to continue to just work their magic on a regular basis. And that's that is I want to come to Fall Creek and <laughs> <laughs> I just want to walk the halls, man, and be, and be a fly on the wall and see right? passion projects and just see kids doing doing great work, man. So um, you know, you know what's really interesting though, Marcus. What's really yeah. interesting is that if you would walk through the hallways of Fall Creek, it would it would look like a ton of other schools. It just would. I mean, it's honestly, it's like there are so many great things going on in schools all across the country, but we you just hear about them from us more because we're really intentional about it. What it looks like, we're we've got our problems too. I'm not dumb. I know what's going on. I mean, we got things that aren't going well, but at the same time, you know, our, our we just you just see kids and adults connecting. And having conversations and and feeling and I I hope that they just feel valued and there are times that they don't and I I mean I I'm no dummy I understand that but at the same time if they can come in more often than not and feel good about the work that they do if you feel good about the work that you do when you walk into school every day there's a bet there's a you it's easier to get to great when you start off at good it's really hard to get to great if you start off at nothing at or certain with a bad day or you spill coffee on yourself or something like that or you're late to work or whatever then it's hard to get to a great day but if you can walk in feeling good you give yourself a shot at great and that's all we're trying to do man that is that's food that's food for just all all educators just going into the, the work man there's days that i start off i'm like man this is a high in the First meeting I get is like, boom, here we go. Boom, here we go. Another one, here we go. And we start that train, but we also have the ability to control, you know, where right. we where we spend our time and where we focus our time. Um, you know, so that's great. Um, I 
just like I told you before, man, I got a lot of uh, people who are listening to um, to this podcast who are interested in becoming uh, administrators who are in the in the work, whether they've been in mm-hmm. for just a year or 20 years, 30 years. Um, I, I guess what would be uh, the, the piece of advice, right? We're getting ready to enter the second half of the year. We're getting ready to start this long train of, you know, especially for us in the Midwest, that winter right. months so of January, February, March. What's What's the level of motivation that you can give mm-hmm. to to those who are listening um, and especially school leaders who are leading buildings right now? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is like, you can, <laughs> you can two things. One, a lot of people are going to set goals. It's the, you know, it's the holiday break. So you're going to come back from the holiday, but everybody sets goals for the holiday after the holiday break. Well, so, you know, it's January 1st, I'm going to you know run a marathon or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then those things, you know, get slapped in the face when somebody comes running into your office asking for post-it notes or something like that. So I think a lot of times what we need to do is think about what's realistic in terms of what's going to, what's going to give us little wins on a regular basis. And there's nothing wrong with big overarching goals. That's great. Do that. But what do you doing every day to put yourself in the right mindset to see great things so in a time where the days get the days are short but at the same time they're really long you know what i mean we're like the the you, there's you show up and it's dark you go home and it's dark and in those times what i try to tell people is what are you doing to get to maximize you know joy in these moments so think about this I'm not, I'm not going to be platitude guy out here. I'm not going to just like read a bunch of quotes and say, go get it. You know, all kids can learn. That's great. You know, that's awesome. But tell me how to do it. Right. So when we talk about find joy in the work, it's not just about like a sticker that you put on your wall. It's about where you actually, what are you doing to set yourself up to find joy? So think about like, what are the first 10 things you do when you get to school every day and how many of those things actually bring you joy? And then where are they on your list? Because the stuff that I did on my checklist, if you're bound by the list, if you're bound by this checklist and this checklist doesn't bring you joy until you get to number seven or eight on your list, right? (laughs) You're never going to get there without being in the wrong mindset when you get to those things, because the stuff at the beginning of the list is going to drive your day in terms of what it looks like. So think about how you start your day and does anything that you do to start your day provide you with any joy to see great things that are happening that puts you back into that recognize, acknowledge, extend model. And if you can put yourself into that recognize, acknowledge, extend model, what ends up happening is the people around you are doing the same thing. I'm not, I, like I told you before, I'm not, I'm no dummy. I know exactly what our teachers were doing when I was sitting in that middle school hallway the other day. They knew those stories were going to be told because this is what I do all the time. I'm always trying to recognize, acknowledge, and extend. So when and when they see that, they know that if I, if that's the mentality that I'm in, every story that they tell me is going to get talked. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make you know have have a conversation. I had a conversation with a guy. He there was a the guy that was talking. Uh, one of our teachers was talking about a teacher in Michigan that is a math teacher, but got got uh, was asked to help direct the school Christmas concert or something like that. I'm like, what? How did that work? So he, he shows me a picture of this. He shows me a picture of this guy, you know, doing this, you know, our video of this guy directing a, 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 a like a band concert. And I got done. I, and I asked him, you know, who he was, where he was from or whatever. And he told me where he's from. So of course I'm going to go back to my office and I'm going to call that guy in black 
River, Michigan or wherever it was. I don't remember where it was, but I'm going to find him in his classroom. I'm going to call him. And I called him and I talked to the guy for a couple of minutes and just said, hey, you were being talked about. That's going to be a moment that broke the script for the guy who was willing to do something out of his comfort zone and direct a, a band concert, right? He's going to, he's, is he, he's definitely going to remember that I called. And I think that's a big deal, but guess what's going to happen? He's also going to call my teacher and talk about, you know, hey, you were talking about me. Why were you talking about me? And then that keeps going. I mean, l- little things like that are just, you know, put yourself, give yourself a chance, man. And if you can just give yourself a chance, then more often than not, like, like things are going to, cool things are going to happen. I walked out of that conversation in, on fr- on uh, Thursday, no, it was Wednesday, last Wednesday. And I was like, this was awesome. I feel better. I felt good. I was smiling. Like, Give yourself yeah. some wins too. Manufacture your own wins. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> manufacture your own wins. That's that is uh a heck of a, a, a note right there, man. I you know I <laughs> put it on a t-shirt, man. Put it, it on is, a t-shirt. Man. <laughs> Wait, hashtag go crickets right down the bottom. Um that's right. No, man, that is uh dude, the conversation has been awesome. Um, you know, you you are definitely out there doing the work. Like I said, I I've I've watched your journey and there are a lot of people who are watching your journey and there are a lot of people who pull their seats up, ready to learn. Pins are going, you know, the, the, the reflection is going. Um, my wife was sitting in your session. Uh, you were here in Illinois a little while ago and my wife was sitting in your session and just sent me a couple of pictures, man. I got my reflection wheels turning, man. And I stopped right in the moment. I had a lot going on in my office and I like, I needed a break. And it was just that moment to say, what am I doing? And those right. quotes came at the right time, man. So I appreciate you and the work that you're doing in education, what you're doing for your staff and what you're doing for kids. Uh, but what you're doing for educators across the the, the globe, man, it, it is definitely incredible work. And uh, I appreciate you wanting to just be on a podcast. <laughs> oh, anytime, man. anytime, anytime, anything you need, you guys, anything you need. So it's it always fun to talk about. And there's just so many great things going on out there. And I just, I fear that too many, you know, when we talk about the stories and the impact of stories, and we got to get our stories out there. And those, those, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think it gets watered down. You can, we can't just say, we need to tell our story. And and I'm like, heck, man, I, I, I wrote that book with my friend, Tony, we wrote that book in 2012. You know, the, the power of branding and telling your school story. That was 2012. And I think that what ends up happening is it gets watered. It's not just about telling a story. It's about leveraging the moment to make sure that you create something that's going to be talked about well beyond the time that the event takes place. Because it can't just be, if I, if I go out, I'm in Northern Wisconsin right now. If I just go out on the farm that I'm at right now and I start screaming about how great second grade teachers in Fall Creek, Wisconsin are, nobody's going to hear me. I'm telling a story, but to nobody. So leverage the moments that you have there. You're, we live in, uh, we live in an occupation where these great things are happening everywhere, man, everywhere. These moments of are happening everywhere. And if you put yourself in the right mindset to see some of these things, you're going to you're going to be happier. The people that you work with are going to be happier. And the people who come to school are going to be happier because they're going to hear great things that are going on in that space. So leverage these moments that give you a better chance to, again, manufacture some of those wins because they're already there. <laughs> that is that's good knowledge, man. And and like I said, I, I am. uh I learn a lot from just sitting on the other side of the, the camera, sitting on the other side of the microphone, uh, especially because 
you're in the work. I'm in the work. The people listening, mm-hmm. there are many of them who are in the work and it's always looking for something. And a lot of what we have, the answers are in the room. You just got to put yourself in the room right. where you can start having those conversations, where you can start um, experiencing, you know, what life is like beyond what you were taught when you got into the role. And this is, I always tell people, nobody gave me a folder to say, this is how you be principal, right? And so you right. have to develop right. that um, that pattern because our kids, man, they, they lean on us. Our staff leans on us to be able to lead mm-hmm. our buildings in, in, a, in a manner that's going to take them to the next level where greatness can happen, right? We are responsible for manufacturing the moments of greatness within our building as well. So Joe, hey, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking no time, especially over the break to uh, to connect with me and, and be on the podcast. And as, as always, um, I'm humbled and, and appreciative of your time and appreciative of your work. Oh, I, 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 oh man, I just dropped something. Um, anything you need, anytime you need it. All right, I appreciate the opportunity and I wish you the best luck. And if there's anything else that you need from me, just let me know, all right? All right, I will, man. Thanks so much. Hey, what's up, listeners of Unapologetic Leadership? I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Out of the thousands of podcasts that exist, I am greatly appreciative of the fact that you took the time to listen to this one. If you want to find out more about the work that I do, please visit me at drmarcusbelin.com. There you can find information about uh, professional development opportunities as well as keynote speaking opportunities. If you are planning a conference or a district kickoff or you would like me to come visit your school district, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. There's contact information there and I would love to come and visit and hang out with you. Again, thank you for listening to Unapologetic Leadership. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode.